Hey church, happy Sunday. My name is Alex. I'm the director of discipleship here at Left Church and glad to be back with you guys. Hope that you guys are having a good Sunday wherever you are tuning in from today. We're going to continue our gospel leadership series. We are in week three today. So as we do that, before we kind of get into the word, why don't we just uh, pray and ask and ask the Lord to speak to us today. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for this incredible time that we have to worship you as your family, as your body. Lord, as we continue to worship by seeking out what it is you're saying in your, in your word to us today. Lord, we pray and ask that you speak. We pray and ask that we would have the humility to receive what it is your word wants to say to us today. God, I thank you for the privilege of, of being your children, being your family. Lord, as we open up your word, would you help us understand the weight and the life of, of gospel leadership today? Help us to see you a bit better. Help us to understand your faithfulness to us. Help us to know that we are loved, and from there we can lead, Lord. And so I pray that as we open up this word, that you would bless this time, that it would truly be your spirit speaking to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so today we are going to continue this series that Robin started the past two weeks, Gospel Leadership. What does the gospel do? What does it say to this thing called leadership? We've been discovering that it is completely different than anything we could even imagine any kind of leadership outside of the church. Today, I want to talk about, kind of get us to consider the simple idea, gospel leaders love. How? How do we love? What does that mean? Well, in part, we love through three C's that we're going to unpack today. The three C's of the leader. We love through our commitment, our character, and our competence. What does the gospel do? How does the gospel change those three C's? How does the gospel change our idea of commitment? What does the gospel say to this need for our character and our competence? And I want, I want to show us how the gospel is going to transform them, of course, such that they become truly others-oriented. And at the same time, though, extremely life-giving for us as well in the process. That I want you to see that as we go through today because that's really the, the brilliance and the grace of our God. That in his mercy, he would take worship to him, which really is what gospel leadership is at its heart. It's worship to God. That he would allow worship to him to actually transform us in the process along the way. How, how incredible is that? We worship God as an end in itself, simply because he's worthy, not to get anything from it. And yet along the way, as we do that, as we love as gospel leaders, as we love his church, we're going to discover that we too are deeply loved by him. So let me show you what I mean by that. We're going to start with commitment, the first of those three C's. Again, commitment, character, and competence. Let's start with commitment. Here's a first thought. Number one, my commitment as a gospel leader, my commitment is to my children. My commitment is to my children. I think anyone, of course, would agree that in any kind of leadership, in any sphere, commitment is critical. It is, it is so important. 
because in order to have influence, a leader needs to be faithful. A leader needs to be, I'm here. You can count on me. I'm bound to this thing. I'm committed to this thing. And of course, that faithfulness is good, but the gospel actually shifts what it is we are committed to. And it's not so much a what as it is a who. The gospel changes our commitment to people. And so our commitment as gospel leaders is going to sound an awful lot like this. I'm going to do what I said that what I said I would do for these people. It's people. And the beauty of the church is that we can actually name them. They're people that we know whose lives that we are entangled with. You see, Robin talked about this in week one, the role of the church, the, in, the incredible privilege of the church, our role is to declare the cosmic, eternal goodness of our God. To declare, to proclaim the nature and character of Almighty God and His good news. And the primary avenue of that declaration, the primary way that we show how good our God is, isn't through one individual fancy clergy person or events or productions, but it's actually through a family. From the passage that Isaac read earlier, did you hear it? He, Paul is calling the church to listen to it again. He says, walk with humility, gentleness, with patience, bear with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity and peace. Do you hear the necessity of relationships there? This is how the gospel, the good news of Jesus is known and experienced through family, through lives rubbing up against each other, through people working out humility and gentleness and patience. That's how the goodness of God is declared. It's through a family. It's through relationships. In other words, people will know the love of God firsthand when they realize that there is a family that cares for them, even when they can't give anything back in return for a season or for a long time. Our hearts are transformed into, into humility only when there's someone for us to serve. People will learn the word of God as we wrestle with it alongside one another who are committed to us, who are vulnerable with us, who know us. In other words, it's the family, the relationships of God that declare the good news of Jesus. Therefore, as a leader, you, as a gospel leader, you're not putting on an event that will inspire, challenge, or, or change people. No, you're, you're, you're parenting. You're parenting a family through which people will know Jesus and be changed. And so the new object of your commitment isn't a what, it's people, your people. The gospel changes this first C. The gospel revolutionizes our commitment such that as a leader... I start to see myself as a spiritual parent. So it's a shift, change my identity in the object of my commitment. Do you, do you see yourself that way right now? Leaders, do you see yourself as a spiritual parent? For those who are leading simple churches, do you see your simple church as your children? If not, can you start to receive that identity even now today? Why am I here? Who am I committed to? My family my children. Church, they are in your care. 
For some, it might be one person. That's okay. You're leading that one person. For others, it might be many children under your care. But the gospel changes, shifts my commitment, not just to a what, but a faithfulness to people, to see myself as, as, as a parent, and these are my, my people, my family. Now, on the one hand, of course, that's a significant undertaking, uh, 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 of course, but I also want to show you how this revolution of commitment, this new identity, changes how you are loved as well reinforces that love that you can receive as well. And to that, here's second point under commitment, and that is this. The gospel frees me from the prison of doing. The gospel frees me from the prison of doing. You are, of course, a human being, not a human doer. And actually committing to people allows us to live into that life-changing truth. And, and, you know, in many cases in leadership, often, um, you know, what's, what, the most competent people, the most skilled people are given the greatest influence. The questions are more about, like, are they productive? Are they efficient? Are they skilled? Are they excellent in their role? And if so, it's not uncommon to then, at times, overlook potential character or commitment concerns. Now, competence is important. More on that in a few minutes. But but when it comes to the church, when it comes to gospel leadership, commitment is elevated to the top, the top priority. Why? Well, the greatest value that you bring to the family as a leader isn't really any sort of proficiency in organization or communication or how well you can lead a huddle. It's your presence. It, It really is your presence. Church, in gospel leadership, availability is just as important as ability. You matter significantly. Your absence is felt just as much as your presence is. You have value simply by being you and being here and being committed to people, being committed to your family. Now, this new identity can actually start to free us from this this prison, this burden we often put on ourselves of doing. And it can just start to allow us to be. I think sometimes we overlook how important our being us is to those that we're committed to. Your availability is just as powerful as your ability. Why? Because there are people that only you can disciple. There are people that God has, has intentionally entrusted to you right now for a reason. They are your people. God has entrusted them to you. You are here right now for a reason. You are a leader in that, in that situation for those people. And if God has entrusted them to you, he will see. He will see to it that you have what you need to lead them closer and closer to maturity in him. Availability or commitment is the pathway for the Lord to continue to work through you for other people. I mean, really practically, just as an example, there is a lot more power in fumbling through a huddle that's full of awkward silences with people that you're committed to than having like a perfectly studied passage, vibrant discussion with a bunch of acquaintances that will leave and go their separate ways. Commitment comes first. Because in the church, the most important question isn't 
are we productive? It's are we together? Fruitfulness comes out of unity and not just task doing. That's how the gospel changes leadership and our commitment. What's your first priority as a leader in the church? It's simply be here. I'm not a parent, but I have heard people say that half of parenting is showing up, being present, being there. Can you begin to step into that identity of a spiritual parent today? You know, maybe it's, maybe for you, it's, it's, it's telling the Lord that you are available, kind of declaring that as a prayer. God, I'm available, and then trusting him to make you more and more able. Maybe it's praying for your, your spiritual kids, even if you don't always know where they are at or what they're up to. Commit to pointing them to Jesus, however windy that path might become. For others of you, maybe it's doing something intentional to tell or show your family this week, your simple church this week, those you're discipling. Do something intentional to show them that you are here for them, that you're committed to them, that you love them. Maybe it's a matter of choosing maturity when navigating challenges. And it can be hard, it can be frustrating, and we can kind of want to kind of lower ourselves to immaturity, but maybe it's for you. It's saying, no, I'm a spiritual parent. I'm a leader. Therefore, I'm going to lead. I need to lead. I need to be the mature one here in in my faith. Maybe for others, it's stepping into something like simple church apprenticing to grow in commitment, to take a step towards becoming a spiritual parent and having that leadership influence. Or maybe for many of us, it's being kinder to yourself when you feel like all you're doing is being with people, church. That's that's what we're called to. Gospel leadership transforms our commitment, not to a what, but to a who, to people. How can you shift in that identity even today? Okay, that's commitment. But what else, you know, it's not just about commitment. There's obviously more to that. So what else determines the weight or the voice of leadership that, that we'll carry in the church? Let's move on. To character. Number two, my character is being watched by my children. My character is being watched by my children. How does the gospel revolutionize character? How does it change how we look at our characters, our, the, you know, the inner life, the who am I really? Well, to put it simply, the gospel actually raises the bar on the importance of my character. As Robin talked about week one and and also last week, as leaders, we're modeling Jesus. We're modeling a pursuit of Jesus. And we're leading others who are maybe just a little bit behind us in that journey, but we're leading them towards maturity in him too. So therefore, leadership is completely connected to who I am, my character, not just something I produce separate from kind of the real question of who am I. In other words, in gospel leadership, my character isn't a separate private thing hidden from those I lead. It is itself the thing that's being modeled and watched by my spiritual children and those who don't yet know Jesus. Leadership is given, influence is given, not to perfect people because we would have no leaders, to be honest but it's given to those who are spirit-empowered, spirit-led, spirit-controlled. Those who see the high call in our character and continually 
rely more and more on God's spirit, depend on him to shape us into the likeness of Jesus. So in chapter 4 in Ephesians, Paul says to the church that while others outside of following Jesus, he says, while others have rejected the leading of God's spirit in their lives and have become hard-hearted, he says to the church this in verse 20 that you heard Isaac read, he says, but that is not how you came to know Christ. Verse 21, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that's corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. For gospel leaders, character is critical. For gospel leaders, being renewed by God's spirit, pursuing the way of Jesus is critical. Let me just share a couple markers of this for us that we see from, from Paul's letter here. The character of a gospel leader is one of, first of all, it's one of humility and teachability. How does the gospel, what does the gospel call my character to be? It's, it's one of humility and teachability. You know, in other areas of life, in many cases, unfortunately, arrogant, proud leadership can often rise to the top as it demands power or it grabs for control. But gospel leaders are the most teachable because they're cultivating a heart of humility, a heart that recognizes that it can learn from anyone, a heart whose identity is rooted in Christ, not in itself, and therefore is open to being taught, to being led. Church, in, in leadership, teachability is actually a tremendous sign of strength, not weakness. It's the result, it's the fruit of spirit-empowered humility. It's what Paul's talking about. The old self that was corrupted by deceitful desires is slowly being taken away and transformed by God's spirit. And in its place comes a soft heart, willing to, and able to receive instruction and feedback. Gospel leaders, by God's grace, are not defensive. They're humble when they receive feedback, when they, receive, they themselves receive leading, their world isn't crumbling because their identity is rooted in Christ. They're slow to anger. Church, a heart that doesn't need to always be right, but desires to do the right thing is a critical marker of the gospel leader. The character here is one of first, humility and teachability. Second, it's one of integrity. Look at verse 24, chapter 4. Paul continues, and, and put on the new self. By God's spirit, take off the old self. Put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Isn't that powerful? In righteousness and purity of the truth. To have integrity is to have wholeness who you are when people see and when they don't see, it matters. It matters. I mean, I could argue that it matters in any area of leadership, but especially in church, in the gospel leadership. Why? Why does it matter who you are when people see and when they don't? Because the, God's spirit leads us in righteousness and truth, not just up here at the surface behavioral level, but he leads us towards righteousness and pursuit of truth deep down at the root level. 
It's a renewal of self from the inside out. So on the surface, we might think, well, you know, that decision, that behavior step, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that significant, but it, but it actually is when it comes to our character as gospel leaders because of where that decision came from. What's the root of it? The Lord is desiring to, to make us new from deep down from the inside out. It's underneath at the root level that matters for the gospel leader. Last Saturday, I stopped by my parents to drop some things off, and my dad was all excited because he got a new table saw. And uh, it's adulting, you know, like it's COVID. We've got to get excited about the things that we have here. My dad's like, I got a, got a new saw, and, you know, it's got this fancy trigger. It's, I'm, I'm not really handy, so I don't know. He was excited. But he said, it came with blades. Like, awesome. You know, that's probably good for a saw. He's like, but I got to go back to Rona because... Pretty sure they didn't charge me for the blades. And so I'm, my dad, I'm going to go back and tell them and pay for the blades. And, uh, you know, I'm not surprised. That's my dad. Uh, I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm proud. But I was also kind of driving home thinking like, Dad, like, you're going to go all the way back to Rona. They're probably just going to tell you, oh, like, thanks for your honesty, sir, but you can keep them. But then I realized, like, that's not the point. That, you know, it might not matter at the, at the surface level. But deep down it does. Where did that decision come from? That's... What matters, character of a gospel leader matters beyond, deeper than just what's on the surface of behavior, integrity. Gospel leaders see, we understand that our characters have a higher bar. We see our characters differently and call on the Lord to continually renew us deep within. Third marker really quickly here is is the gospel leader's character is one of harmony. Harmony. Look at verse 31 now. Paul says to the church, let all bitterness, all bitterness, anger and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with malice. Harmony. Rather than cultivate influence by creating divisions and gathering people to yourself. The gospel leader has a character, a heart, of harmony and pursues unity. Gospel leaders, they they submit to their leaders. They submit to the family they're a part of by believing the best and, and respecting their position and their influence. Really practical example, we've talked about it a bit, but as, as leaders, uh, simple church leaders and above on the pipeline, we ask all, all leaders to agree and sign a fully alive leadership covenant. It's a statement of what we believe, what we value, how we understand God's word. And it's really important because as individuals, we say, yes, I'm going to surrender my specific kind of personal preferences, perhaps at times, and I'm going to yield to the larger body. Why? For harmony, to move together. Gospel leaders seek Harmony. Now, that might take some work and some wrestling, but that's the heart. We're going to pursue unity together. Rather than create divisions to gather influence for myself, I'm actually going to lay myself down, yield to the bigger family, and pursue harmony. Gospel leaders in the same vein celebrate the best even when it's not them. They recognize signs of bitterness and uproot them because they fight for unity, not position, power, or or preference. 
Gospel leaders speak well of others to their face and behind their back. In other words, can you see the character of gospel leaders as one calling us to sacrifice for the sake of togetherness, for the sake of unity? The gospel places a high call on our character. It raises the bar, and that raised bar um, is a high call. It is a big responsibility. But can you see how it actually is incredibly good news that it, it actually places precious value on your character? In other words, church, can you hear it? Like who you are deep down, who you are, it means something significant. I think it would be a terrible tragedy if our characters were so invaluable that the bar could just be lowered, that we just live however, that we could just be the determinants of truth and be our, be our own lords. No, the bar is raised and that is good news. It means who we are. The transformation that Jesus is making in our lives means something. And at the same time, this is not an endeavor of perfectionism. Gospel leaders, church, you are pursuing the way of Jesus. You're pursuing holiness as a real imperfect person. Because of the grace of Jesus, you don't need to lower the bar on character or wear a mask, hide behind a mask of perfection. To put it another way, the gospel makes my character weighty or significant, but it makes the journey light. It makes my character weighty, but the journey light. Let me read this. I know uh, Robin let it read it last week at the end of the message, but I want to read it to us again. 1 Timothy 1, 12 to 16. Paul says this to Timothy. He says, I give thanks to Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, appointing me to the ministry, even though, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man but I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them, but I received mercy for this reason so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus, might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. In other words, to lead others. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to pretend that you have it all together. Church, Jesus is glorified by transformation, not pretend perfection. In other words, yes, the, the bar on our character is high, but we will pursue humility, teachability, integrity, and harmony as humble sinners before the Lord calling on his grace and his mercy to produce in us what we cannot do on our own. You are qualified by the humble pursuit of the mercy and grace of Jesus. Like Paul, you have received that mercy. So that in you, the worst of sinners, Jesus might demonstrate his power, his extraordinary power, as an example to others. Do you see that, that call for our character? 
of the powerful grace of our God, there's a, there's a steadiness to the gospel leader, a humility, a joy in Christ because they recognize I haven't arrived yet and I never will. There's a healthy view of self, even an ability to see humor of self because there's a security in the fact that yet Jesus is continuing, continuing to make me new. He hasn't given up on me yet. My character is being watched by my children. The bar is raised and it's a great work of God's grace and power. And finally, number three, competence. What does the gospel do? My competence is for my children. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 13. Paul says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Competence is important, of course. Paul says to Timothy elsewhere in his letter, he encourages Timothy to fan into flame the gift that God had given him. Grow in it. Grow in your abilities. God has wired you. God has blessed you with skills and abilities and competence. But the revolution of the gospel is that your, your strengths, your giftings, aren't for your self-gain, but they're actually for sacrificial love. They're actually there for you to serve and lead others closer to Jesus. Uh, Courtney pointed this out in our daily devos to the, to the Rubik's team a couple days ago. 2 Samuel 5.12, uh, pretty cool story when, when David becomes king. And he says that he, he knows that God had appointed him king over Israel. And he says this at the end. He said, I know God has appointed me king over Israel. Why? For the sake of the people of Israel. God did not appoint me king over Israel just so I can be king. But he appointed me king over Israel for the sake of these people. And in a, from another great leadership example, The Lion King, one of my favorite movies. Mufasa gives this charge to his son Simba, who would one day be king. And he says to Simba, while others search for what they can take, a true king searches for what he can give. In gospel leadership, we take responsibility for others, for our family, for our children. And we ask ourselves, if I'm a spiritual parent, if that's what God has entrusted me to, if that's what God's empowering me to do, and if these are my children, then how can I use what I have, the abilities, the competence that God's given me to see them grow in maturity? How can I use what I have to see my children go, grow towards maturity in Jesus? Rather than get frustrated or discouraged by those that I'm caring for, gospel leaders take responsibility for the growing maturity of those God has entrusted to them. Can you start to do that, church? Start to think about the talents, the gifts, the abilities that you have from the perspective of what will best serve the maturing of the people I'm leading. Maybe some of you, I know many of you in our church, are like what we'd call like a prayer warrior. You know the type when 
like we believe that God hears all of our prayers, but certain people when they pray, you're like, I know God hears that prayer right now. You know, like whenever you pray, it could be just the most ordinary prayer and people are always weeping. Like, you know the type that you're just like, I need someone to pray for me, I'm gonna call on. If that's you, and God has blessed you with that, if that's like a gift, you're fanning that into flame, gospel leaders take that and teach others how to pray. Maybe others have like just a deep knowledge of scripture. You just know the Bible, you've memorized parts of it, you understand it, you're learned. That can easily be used to garner attention and praise. Or we can lead others to also understand God's word. Gospel leaders do that. Many of our leaders in our church will have lots of life experience. And you're leading those who don't yet have that experience. You're leading those who are about to make decisions that you've already wrestled through. You've experienced God's leading in. Help them discern God's voice. Don't get frustrated thinking like, you guys don't even know what stress is. You're just worried about exams and welcome to adulthood. No, help them discern God's leading in that stage of life that you've already been through. You've, you've, you've gone through the work of making a budget to be generous. Help your children do the same. My competence isn't just for me, but it's for my children. What does the gospel do here for us as leaders? Well, the gospel frees me from the selfish ambition and insecurity that we can often carry. The gospel frees me from selfish ambition and insecurity. How? Well, by selfish ambition, I don't mean that we always, all the time, are are tempted to use like a platform as leaders to get attention and affirmation, although that is certainly possible and it's certainly a temptation. But but I think more subtly, a subtle struggle is simply at times, I don't know if you can relate to this, you're just like, I don't want to be a bad leader. (laughs) It's not that I, you know, it's not that I want all these attention and accolades, um, I don't want like all this fame of being like an incredible discipler. I just, I just don't want to be a terrible leader. I, you know, I want my simple church to pull its weight with the rest. You ever with me on that? The problem there and the reason that can feel heavy is because we have the order wrong. We can start to slip into this mindset that I need to use people to make me succeed in a task and look better. The gospel changes that. Church, the role you serve in, whatever formal leadership role you are in right now, the role that you serve in and the structure around it, they are a means to a greater end. Your role as a simple church leader is the way, the pathway to care for people. Therefore, you don't need to try to use your simple church family to do all the tasks, to fill the void and make you look like a good leader. Instead, use the structure of Simple Church to care for your people and lead them towards Jesus. The gospel flips the order. It frees me from selfish ambition. It it allows my leadership and influence to be way more fruitful and more freeing at the same time. Like I said earlier, maybe some of you are listening and you're not yet carrying an official leadership role. You want to grow in your commitment, your character, your competence. Maybe you're looking at something like leading a simple church, but you're unsure about 
the simple church apprenticeship. You know, you're thinking, is that something that I'm able to do? Can you see how the gospel flips that question, though? That identity flips it upside down. The simple church apprenticeship isn't a task that you might fail at. It's the way to care for people. It's the means to a greater end. The gospel also frees us from insecurity. So if we, if, if our desire is to be competent for the good of others so that they can be parents one day, then what happens is I can start to say, like, if, if I need help leading them, if I can't do something, I can ask for help. It's not all on me. I can get someone else in. Maybe I haven't walked this specific life experience before, and I'm just struggling to help lead this, this person in my simple church to Jesus. Ask somebody else, hey, can you help me? Maybe you're discipling someone who, who grew up with a different background, different religious beliefs than you did. Or maybe you're discipling someone that has kids and you don't. Hey, how can I help them? You know, it's, it can be easy to flounder in insecurity and worried about, well, people are going to see that I might not know something as a leader or I might look weak or something. But the gospel radically changes that by calling us to serve others, thus making it about them and not actually about us. We can start to realize that it takes a village to parent. And it's okay, it's beautiful when I call on others to help. It's not on you. It's for them. What's for their good to lead them closer to Jesus? Church, I hope something in there has been able to help us see that as gospel leaders we love, through our commitment, through our character, through our competence, the gospel actually reframes them, repositions them for others. Not to bring us attention or to make our lives easier, but to help other people know him. The nature and call of leadership is changed such that we start to love other people. Specifically, as spiritual parents would love and raise children. But also at the same time, we discover the love of Jesus for us personally. I hope you hear this. Let me land here. Gospel leaders love because we are loved. In other words, our source is outside of ourselves. We're going to come, we're going to land in communion today. We come to the communion table and we're going to eat this bread and we're going to drink of the cup to remind ourselves of this very fact, to remind ourselves of the broken body of Jesus that was given up for our life and the shed innocent blood of Jesus that sealed a new relationship between us and God. Church, in other words, you are a leader because you're in a family because of the work of Jesus and his adoption of you. Your leadership opportunity, your leadership responsibility, it's from him and it's for him. And it all comes back to this this gracious miracle of his sacrifice to adopt you into the family of God. And so as we partake of the elements today and have this moment of worship where we remind ourselves of that, can this be our reminder that as we look to be leaders who love, that Jesus alone is our refuge and our strength. 
As you eat the bread and drink the cup, can you remind yourself of that today? Even say it out loud if you'd like. Jesus, you alone are my refuge and my strength as I lead. Church, we can't do any of this apart from him. We need him as we need food and drink. Jesus is your source. Abide in him because apart from him, we cannot bear fruit. You can't love without knowing you're loved. Remind yourself of that today. Gospel leadership is a privilege. It's a joy. It's worship day by day. Abide in him because he is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. So when you are struggling to endure, you're struggling to commit to people. You're like, I don't want to be a spiritual parent anymore. I don't want this. I don't want to commit. When you're struggling to endure, Jesus's commitment to you is your only source. Call on him. Jesus, help me. It's not about you trying harder to commit. Jesus's commitment to you is your source. When you, become, when you feel proud or bitter or afraid, you want to lower the bar in character. You just want to hide it. Church, in that moment, it's Jesus' righteousness, his perfect character, his perfect humility. That's your source. Turn to him. When you're struggling with arrogance or insecurity, Jesus' sacrifice for you is your source. Do you see it? As we are called to give our abilities and our power and our position up for others, it's just a reflection of what he's done for us. He gave all the competence he had, all the power and the rights, everything at his disposal, and he gave it for your life, for your maturing in him. As you lead, don't take your eyes off of him in that truth. Love him. Look to him. Behold that goodness. Let me land with this, what Paul says about that sacrifice. And can we cling to it as we lead? Philippians 2, verses 6 to 8. Paul says, Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Gospel leaders love because we first have been loved. Church, I want to just give you a moment of reflection to take the bread that you have and the cup before you and eat of it and drink of it in remembrance of him. Jesus said, whenever you eat this meal, do this in remembrance of me, my body that has been broken for you, my blood that was poured out, the blood of the new covenant, you have relationship with him. Thank him for that. Call on him right now. Lord, I wanna be a leader who loves, but I know I can only do that as I abide in you. May that be your prayer today as we partake together.
pray. Jesus, I thank you today for this incredible reminder, this, this bread and this cup. And today I'm thankful that it reminds me that me, like Paul, the worst of sinners, I've been made new and I've been adopted into your family because you gave everything up for me. Lord, I, I pray that as we consider what it means to lead, that as we hear the call, that we would not, even for one day, try to do that apart from abiding in you. Jesus, would you seal this word so deeply in our hearts that we would be so reminded that we need you. We need your commitment to us, your perfect character, your sacrificial love. We need you in order to be gospel leaders who love. Jesus, help us to see that. Help us to see the incredible transformation that, that you call us as leaders in the church to do. But also, Lord, help us understand that it is not by our power or our strength or our might, but by yours. I pray that day after day, Jesus, we would both see just you empowering us and we would see the joy of leading others towards you. Lord, when it's hard, when we wanna quit, pick us up, sustain us, return to us the joy of our salvation. When it's going great, when it feels easy, and when it's awesome, don't let us become proud and think it's about us, Jesus. I thank you that we are a part of something so much greater than an organization or a collection of people, but we are a part of your family because of your broken body and your shed blood. And today we praise you for that. We thank you for that. May we lead out of a sense of worship and joy for who you are. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, as you move into some time, hopefully with your simple churches, there'll be a question on the screen, which is this. How can you ask Jesus to continue to transform your commitment or your character or your competence? Thanks, guys. It was great to be with you. We'll see you Thursday night. Be blessed.